Hey everybody, welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I am your host, Jay Williams, and joining me today is a very chipper Robbie Helene. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. <laughs> That's, I wish people could see your face and then the voice that came out of your face. Tell you, man, I can turn it on. You did. You totally did. This has not been a great day. This is what introverts have to learn how to do. We have to learn how to act like extroverts in very short bursts. Okay. I mean, yeah, because you're louder than you have ever been. And I think you're 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 overcompensating right now. Fun fact. So my wife has been telling me for like 20 years that That nobody can ever hear what I'm saying. Yeah. That I speak too softly. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. I feel like I'm screaming half the time. Like, I I am so loud. And then the last time, like two weeks ago, she gave me another, like, she leaned over when we were in hanging out with some people and, and sort of whispered, sort of not, nobody can hear what you're saying. I'm like, come on, wait, this, wait, wait, is, wait. this so, is just ridiculous. Stop for a second. Yes. So when Stacy has something to, when she tries to exhort you, she turns into Batman? She, was, that a, was that a bit? Nobody can understand what you're saying. saying. No, she does not sound like any of the Batman. Batman. It was, that, that really just kind of became the Batman voice, didn't it? Everybody everybody does that same. Nobody can understand what you're whispering. saying. <laughs> no, Robbie. she does not turn into Batman, but she was oh trying goodness. to be helpful. And I, I was like, all right, listen, I'm going to do a little social experiment and see if... I'm assuming everyone's crazy but me, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test this so theory. a good assumption. Yeah. And so I, for the next, like, two weeks... I noticed like like 11 people did not hear me say hello when I like I did the hey how's it going and they just like walk on by yeah. and I know like they're not it wasn't like 11 rude people who were no. all ignoring me I just like and which which is always a little embarrassing cuz usually there's someone close enough to hear you say hello and then see the hello snub and then they kind of give you the head shake like uh maybe they just didn't hear you and I got to do the, ah, the hand wave, like, ah, it's okay. Uh, or I have to decide, like, am I going to double down and go approach again? Anyway, point being, my wife is right, as it turns out, and nobody can hear a word that I say. It's not just your wife. I've been telling you that forever. I and never like, during listen sermons, to what you I say. know, but during sermons, you will go, you'll drop so low that I'll think, ah, oh, I bet that was really good. Because <laughs> your face... Your face looks like you just said something really good, uh, and I have really not good. the foggiest clue what you just said. Huh. Well. You know, yeah, I don't know information what that would have been useful six years ago. Dude, I have so many times. What and do you think I meant ago, when I we mean, did the whole... 20 years ago. Did you turns take my out, salad? Did you I should have been listening to my wife 20 years ago. <laughs> should have, yeah, turns out. I... Dude, you just missed I my call back there. apologize. Oh, I our caught long, it. Our long-time listeners will understand <laughs> the... Did you take my salad? So, <laughs> Yes, that was me screaming through the office hallways. <laughs> that was, I no, was so no, enraged that no, somebody stole my No, don't bail lunch. out people, Johnny Come Lately's, to the podcast. Like, that's something, <laughs> that was like an insider, that's for our Patreon people. They, they, the ones who, yeah, no. So, that's it. Hey, so, um, I was, I in, I was in Africa, and while I was in Africa, <laughs> while I was in Africa, you and Jeff decided to take the whole last podcast to make fun of me, so I guess maybe we'll... Evidently, it was the most productive week in the history of Faith Church because... That is accurate and in no way an overstatement. Okay. So, yeah. So, um, but now I'm back and I'm jet lagged and this has just been a morning and then it's been a really rough morning and then I get into the office with my... So, it's so rough that for breakfast, I just 
grabbed it. I was like turned into college Jay yeah. and grabbed a spoonful of peanut butter. <laughs> and I, and that so that's in it. in and of itself, the fact that your breakfast is a spoonful of peanut butter right. is already a red flag that you're not having the best right. day. Right. Not having the best day. Didn't even have, didn't even eat it at the house. Took it with me, walked into the office, bumped my hand against the wall and against the door jam and dropped my spoonful of peanut butter face down on the carpet. So very Charlie Brown style. <laughs> Super Charlie Brown. Yeah. That's like that's the moment in your bad day where like it's so sad that it becomes funny. Mm-hmm. Or like I even well for dropped you, my spoonful of peanut butter. It wasn't funny for me yet. No. No. Oh. Yeah. What I have follow up question. Yeah. How how far did you expect to get with a spoonful of food? Like outside of a family reunion potluck what do you mean? Game where you're like <laughs> running across a football field with like it's peanut a marshmallow butter. It's and not a spoon. like a spoonful like, of ice cream. You I didn't like have a spoonful of ice cream or Pepto Bismol. But like, if it's, it's just a spoonful, what pre- prevented you from just eating it before you before you left? Um, I don't know. I just I wanted to enjoy it, man. I just wanted to have one. Fair enough. Like, I did think about I'll it. That. I could just shove it in my mouth on the way out, but I thought, you know what? I'm gonna sit there. I brought a banana. And I was going to put peanut butter on the banana. Oh, there you go. And I was just going to eat it and good just answer. have a few minutes to start. And instead, I good answer. dropped it on the floor. And it even made like the <laughs> sound. Like it wasn't, <laughs> it didn't even. That's like the, like the scoop of ice cream. Like yes. it's not salvageable. Like yeah. that's one of no. those few things that like most no. things, honestly, I'll just pick up off the ground and eat. But peanut butter, that's, that's a gunner. Yeah, peanut butter was done. <laughs> I just looked at it and I was like, mm. I'm so. sorry, buddy. It's hey, okay. Let's, it let's was not, turn this day around. It was a, not as good. Hey, podcast. can I share? Can I share with you the most valuable thing? Because we need to move on to your sermon because that's more important than helping refugee Ethiopian pastors in Africa. Um, and <laughs> did somebody <laughs> like, say why? that? Yeah, why? Yeah, I know why. Why would you say that? Listen, if people don't understand, nobody even knows the context. Does anybody even know that you were in Africa? Probably. Not. I don't. The context you, of well, that. if they listen to the podcast, they do because you mentioned it last week. That's true. So jokes on you. Joke. <laughs> Listen, they don't know anything that's going on. They don't know the bad day I've had so far. They don't know the fact that you're leaving me in two weeks. They don't like they're not thinking about that. And then like every time I bring that up, you get mad at me for bringing it up, as if I like, denying it or pretending it doesn't exist is going to make it easier, Robbie. It's not okay. So here I am. Here you are, just a boy standing in front of another boy. <laughs> This is like, we're off the rails. We have deteriorated. So one of the greatest things that happened is um, on our way back, we stopped in Frankfurt and Silas wanted to go to McDonald's. Yeah. And I was like, sure, why not, man? It's in a different country. Let's see what they got. And German McDonald's has schnitzel McMuffins and they're amazing. (sighs) Amazing. And right now, believe it or not, the American dollar is very strong overseas. And so uh, it's actually worth more than the euro. And so my schnitzel McMuffin (laughs) combo with a great espresso drink was like four bucks in the airport. In the airport. So um, in other countries, uh, 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 that's the only place that I like McDonald's because they always have like their fun, like culturally relevant. Like India has the Maharaja Mac. Oh, that's fun. Right? So They don't do beef there, so it's vegetarian, which is a little disappointing, but which is why but the mm. Maharaja Mac well, it's fun. In in full disclosure, the thing is the thing that we ate was not called the Schnitzel McMuffin. Ah. 
I don't know what it's actually called. I forget. But it was basically like a chicken patty, but schnitzel. I mean, Germans, they know how to do schnitzel. They do. And uh, and so it was on a it was on a, um, a muffin, and it was it was delicious. Um, so besides eating schnitzel in the Frankfurt airport, did anything else happen on your Africa trip? Um, we ate Big Macs in Johannesburg. I was hoping was for gross. something a little more substantive. Oh, yeah. Like maybe actually like... Part yeah. of why you were there? Oh yeah. So we so we got to serve uh in South Africa we, we got to serve Ethiopian refugee pastors. So That's awesome. Ethiopia is in the midst of civil war, they're in the midst of economic depression. And so there are a lot of them a lot of Ethiopians that have gone to other countries and South Africa is one of those and there is a pretty large population of Ethiopians in South Africa. What's fascinating, I guess here would be one big takeaway. So we, we put on a conference for them, for these pastors and Bible, Bible school students. Um, and, and it was really incredible. But it was interesting, too, as we're teaching them, we're also realizing. So the Ethiopian church, this one particular denomination, um, they planted their first church, started their first church in 2008. So roughly 15 years ago, okay. they start their first church. And they have now started 200 churches out of that one church. That is so awesome. In 15 years. That is so awesome. And yeah, so you just, and that is, that is out of refugee status. So they have, they have asylum. Most of them do not have the ability to travel anywhere. If they leave South Africa, they can't come back. Um, so they, most of them, they're, they're not able to get hired at regular jobs. Um, if they want to go to school, they have to pay exorbitant amounts, um, past a certain level it's just a very hard life for them and in the midst of that they plant 200 churches so not from a place of influence not from a place of being heavily resourced but having none of those things plant over 200 churches and you said in like multiple countries oh yeah yeah so 92 of them are in south africa but then they've also sent missionaries that half of the churches that they've planted are um other places That's in, so, in Africa. So they have one in Atlanta. They planted a church in Atlanta. <laughs> I love that. They've planted more I churches in America than <laughs> the vast majority of American churches have planted in America. Right. I mean, that's just like, that's like so okay. Great. So, um, so yeah, I mean, Man, it was, what an opportunity. It was a great trip. And I'm sure that there will be many stories that will seep into, um, seep into the, my sermons and whatnot. So I should hope so. There's always good illustrations from those kind of experiences. Yeah. Also, I love that you got to bring Silas. You got to bring yeah. your oldest with you. That that's so awesome. And like he even like participated in the conference. Tell me about that. He did. Yeah. He well, first he he was also responsible for teaching Sunday school like the younger kids and did a great job and they loved him and I was really proud of him and um but then he also served on a panel with uh, another one of the professors that went took his son who's about the same age. And so the four of us did a breakout session where we just talked about what it looks like to shepherd your children. And, um, but we had them, we wanted to have our son speak into that and actually have them, um, answer questions about like, well, what, what do you wish the church would do? And how do you think, um, what has been most effective in your life and, uh, for discipleship? And he just did a fantastic job. It was really, it was really neat to watch. And the, the Ethiopian pastors thought he was, um, amazing. And I said, well, thank you. It's all my work. So 
That is not what I said. That is, isn't it? <laughs> no. Well, okay. that was probably at least to, your first response, mm, and then you're to recovered. one to one of them, the ones that I had gotten to know pretty well. But no, not to uh, yeah, because the, the ones who had gotten to know my humor. So, okay. as one person said, who was not prone to joking, when he did joke and kind of made made a joke that kind of made a fool out of me. I was like, what in the world, man? I thought you were serious. And he said, you're contagious. <laughs> I love that so much. It was much. so good. I was, I was like, I was so proud. Of I was like, so proud of you right now. That's so good. So anyway, yeah. Right. It oh, was, man. I'm glad was, you had that opportunity. It was great. And it's always good just to be in the global church and to realize. Always. Just to see brothers and sisters. And they, you know, they have their own issues. They have, there are a lot of things from our culture that um, they benefited from, like seeing how we interact with our kids, seeing how we interacted with each other. It was really a blessing to them. But then there are a lot of things that we learn from them and look at and say, oh gosh, why don't we, why do we not do that? Mm -hmm. Like, why are we um, like the church planting and their prayer? And yeah. like, it just is it, just things that you just realize that every culture has things just like every person you know like when you think about every person in the body of christ we there everyone has something some angle or some um, part of the body of christ that they display in a really powerful way and then we all have our own struggles and so every culture is just you know bigger versions of that so so yeah love that man Welcome, but, welcome back. Thank you and i then listened to your sermon and as per usual i listened to it on double speed and as loud as it will possibly go <laughs> it's probably probably wise so i feel uh, like i talk quickly people typically say I, like double speed seems like a bad idea because people usually tell me i need to slow down and speak up i mean i suppose if they want to actually hear what you're saying there's just something well, sure. really there's I just mean, something really comforting to your voice at double t double speed oh, it takes it up a notch like octave and so then it's it's like the chipmunk thing. No. It's just what I need. No, it's uh, I do. Man, we are. This is this where we start over because three, two, one. two. One. So yeah, you preached on um, you preached on a great passage. I feel like you stole you stole a great passage from me. I love this passage, the sons of Skeba. dude. It's it is so fascinating. It's one of it is one of my favorite events in in Acts for sure. It's just such a fascinating experience for these dudes and and to read like how the spirit is moving in such a specific way and 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 just how distinct he makes his power right that this isn't just this thing that you can just pick up it's not an incantation it's right. not just these words it's not just right if you check these boxes if you do these things then you have access to this power like it's such a specific like n no this is a this is a very relational thing it's only those who belong to me and it's me working through that you can't you can't fake it and then this like very i mean quite frankly kind of hilarious mm -hmm. response by, by these demons who are like I don't, I don't know what you guys are it's pretty great which is so um okay so that idea that you have to be known that this relationship that you can't just invoke um the name of jesus you can't just uh you know, pass some kind of knowledge quiz that there's, that we see this a lot in scripture, you know, where Jesus says, you know, many of you will say to me in that day, Lord, didn't we do these things? And he'll say, depart from me. I, I never knew you. Like those are terrifying statements, but they really are about this just knowledge and this, this like they are being known by him, not, right. not knowledge about, but being known. And 
I thought you did a really great job of, you know, pointing that out. And one of the things that I thought about was this, that it's both scary and also really secure, Hmm. meaning you're not going to have a situation on that day where Jesus is like looking at you, Robbie and saying like, come on, Robbie, pass the test. Like, come on. I want you, I want you in here. Like if Jesus knows you, you are secure. Every bit is secure as, as my child, my child could fail every test about our family or whatever. But if I know him and he's my child, then he's my child and it doesn't matter. Um, but on the other hand, it, it is a little scary in the sense that you can't, like you, you aren't, it's not reliant on you. Like it's not, you're not able to just know more or know about this thing. And, and then, and then what that means is you can't redefine terms in your own way. You can't, like you just, you, 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 you're not making a case. It's not a lawyer, like yeah. a courtroom scene where right. you're trying to make a case that you're a Christian. Um, there's that old, wasn't that like a thing that people said, like if someone tried to convict, convict you of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence yeah. Remember that? Like, yep. And those yeah. are the kinds of things that drive me crazy because I'm like, the only evidence you need is, does Jesus say, I know you? If he knows you, there you go. There's your evidence. Otherwise, it kind of feels like... I mean, like... in their defense, I think the, I think the, what they're trying to communicate is, is there actual fruit that demonstrates you, yes. you are following Jesus? The problem is because we also use the courtroom in the salvation understanding of like Jesus is the you know the advocate that goes before the judge and says right. I will take that penalty like that gets really confusing and we yes. kind of mix those no mix I get it metaphors. you're right you're right I mean there is a there is a way in which yes yeah. our lives should look like we are that we do belong to Christ that the fruit of our lives for sure um but it's not but in the judgment day we will not be trying to convince anybody of anything and it it's Jesus, yeah, right? Like right. he's not going to say, like, okay, here, can you can you sign this doctrinal statement that these are all of the doctrinal positions that you hold? Uh, have you done these particular activities? Have right. you like that's that's not that's not it? No, it's not. So hey, so a few things. I mean, I want to just ask you about. I thought it was really great your first point. So this is one of those sermons that correct me if I'm wrong, but you had like two points, and one of them was like this short like really short. And then the other one was like the big, was this whole sermon, which I thought was cool. No, it's just the one point. Just okay. the experiential knowledge of Jesus. No, no. Well, then it wasn't. You did have a sub point, a pre point, which, which was when you said that, that um, if you're not Jesus, you require correction. Oh, well, yeah. I didn't consider that a separate point. I oh, consider that a evidence a of you needing the experiential knowledge of Jesus. And Apollos's problem was he was, lacking some of that therefore oh. he needed correction well this is embarrassing then <laughs> it's awkward <laughs> guess i didn't listen to it <laughs> it's because you were listening to it too fast uh, yeah i mean you just like went right into it i was like i thought maybe you needed more pauses in your sermon um no but i did uh, so i wanted to ask you this question you yeah. you you made the very valid point that unless you are jesus you will require correction but we don't receive that well no. Why not? I mean, like, because I don't think it is because most, I don't know too many people who would, I don't know anyone who would say it, and I don't know too many people who actually would think it, that they are perfect, that they are fully, fully formed in, in Christ and just fully perfect. Maybe you know people in that way, 
but let's say it's not that like what else why why are we so hesitant to receive correction um i mean aside from pride aside from defensiveness and self-justification i mean while i would never obviously i would never say i'm perfect because if i'm gonna err i'm gonna err in the side of self-critique so i might not be the right person to ask this but uh, i definitely have heard people in the church communicate once you become a christian you don't sin anymore and so we find really creative ways to explain why what i did what i said how i'm responding can't be sin because christians don't sin and so it's not like a it's a weird like i'm not well obviously i'm not perfect but i'm not sinning like what i'm doing isn't sin and so um or like i've I've studied the Bible, and so I know what it says, and so I don't need somebody to instruct me on what it says or correct my understanding of that. Or in some camps, like, I, I know my doctrine so well, so I don't need somebody who is outside of my camp or is different than the teaching, the teacher that I have followed whose doctrine I am adhering to. I don't need someone else to correct that. In fact, oftentimes in those camps, we will communicate you know the people who are not a part of Jesus because they're the ones who don't agree with what I just said. Right? So we can even get so self-defensive that I can I can operate with the understanding of if you disagree with me, well, then I can't listen to you because you're wrong. Instead mm. of saying, well, you disagree with me, maybe I should listen to why you disagree with me because I might be wrong. Mm-hmm. I might have come to the wrong conclusion. So, I mean, I think, I think just in, in the most simple uh, the simple explanation is just self-protectiveness. I don't like thinking that I'm wrong. I don't like feeling like I need somebody to correct me. I, I feel confident in certain positions. And um, and even as somebody who, who tends towards being self-critical, it still never feels good when somebody says, I think you're wrong about that. Right. Or I think the way you handled that was not honoring to God. Or I think... Uh, that's not what scripture says and you need to reevaluate your conclusion there. Like nobody really loves that. We just, the difference is whether or not we say, yeah, I don't love that, but I know how important that is, how essential that is. And I know that I, I am not omniscient and I do require correction. So I'm willing to go through that discomfort of that initial sense of like, Hey, what do you mean? I'm wrong about this yeah. and go, why well, I might actually be wrong about this. I should probably, hear you out maybe it's true that nobody can hear what i'm saying ever <laughs> and and also it is in more important things like certain understandings of scripture or doctrine or what obedience to jesus looks like like sometimes i need oftentimes i need someone else to say are, are you sure that is actually what jesus is asking of us there or is that conclusion of how you're doing that actually what scripture says uh i i need that I but need do you it. think I mean, I think one of the reasons why we don't re- receive it well is so even if you're in a place where you say, like, I know I'm not perfect and I know I need correction, but I only want to receive correction from someone who's perfect. Right. Because we tend to, one of the ways that we deflect is that we don't want to receive correction from somebody that we think like, well, you're not, right. You're not so hot yourself. Like you're going to, you're going to tell me that I'm, oh yeah. Um, whether it's in that issue, whether it's in that um, specific situation or in something else, you know, whatever we want to use to deflect, but we don't like receiving 
correction because then it puts us in a place where which is the pride issue of like being seen as less mature or being seen as in need of correction and we just don't we don't like that we like to be in the position i mean i think a lot of a lot of people it's it's like okay well i know jesus i'll take correction from jesus right but like from anybody else um I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna receive that from them. Right. We actually get really skilled at disqualifying everybody else. Yes. Right. We come up. We 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 figure out the reason why I don't need to listen to you. Either right. a, a doctrinal disagreement or something that I don't like about you or a methodology, like whatever it is, we'll come up with that reason of why you're disqualified from correcting me and teaching me, which is which is just foolishness. I mean, it, it, it is, is pride, and it is absolute foolishness, um, and it it is grossly unbiblical right because it is the assumption is there is somebody who is perfect there is somebody like would we not argue that the apostle peter was somebody that we should learn how to follow jesus from who who had authority who who was worthy of discipling somebody but paul has to call him out paul has to correct him because he's not jesus and so he still made some mistakes and, and and needed needed some correction um we just we we yeah we cripple ourselves and our and our sanctification when we think well i can i can only receive this from a person who meets my qualifications of being worthy of doing that uh, of me receiving that from um when the reality is there are times when i'm interacting with my kids and my seven-year-old will say something and my gut reaction is don't talk to me like that and then 30 seconds later, I realize, yeah, you know what? I did say I was going to do that, and I didn't follow through. Yeah. You're right. Like, that's that stinks. That's not that's not trustworthy. And, and like, I deserve that rebuke from yeah. a seven-year-old. Like, if I, if I can't handle that, then, man, that's, uh, like, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm hamstringing myself in my own sanctification. Yeah, and I... One other one other thing that I was thinking of when I think why why do we not take correction is one uh, another big reason is we don't want to change. Right, like we are right. very comfortable. Right, in whatever our situation is, we're comfortable in our dysfunction. We see that with um, with addicts or with people who are in real like self destructive behavior. They they may be miserable in that, but they also the fear of change, like it's still comfortable. Yeah. Like we're often comfortable in our misery. We're comfortable in our apathy. We're comfortable in, in our, just our lives. And so if somebody comes along and, and says, for example, um, you know, like, Hey, I think the way that you're, the way that you're speaking to people or like, I've said that before about my humor that, you know, if, when somebody would call me out, you know, when I was younger about, Hey, your humor kind of has a sharp edge to it. And it, it's like, it's not really building people up. It's kind of, it's hurting some people. Well, part of the reason why I didn't want to receive that is because I was comfortable with what I was doing to acknowledge that that was the case would mean I would have to change and I would have to stop making those jokes that I liked to make. I thought they were funny and other people thought they were funny. And so I didn't want to give that up. And so receiving correction in that means uh, being willing to change and desiring to be made more like Christ more than I desire my old habits or or whatever. And yeah. so 
I think we deflect. So I think we deflect for all of those reasons. I think we just aren't open to it because we're so comfortable. And I think the only answer to that is what you talked about, this experiential knowledge. Like if I, if my aim is to just be satisfied with my own, um, my own assessment of my spiritual health, then I don't want correction because I've gotten right. to a place where I'm, I'm good. You know, I feel good yeah. about the number of times I go to church. I feel good about the number of times, like about my Bible knowledge. I feel, yes, I feel good about, you know, how I'm living my life. And now all of a sudden something comes in and, and changes that. The only way that that will change is if I see the kingdom as a treasure hidden in a field. If I know that I, I want more of Jesus. Yes. If I believe that more of him and being made more like him is going to produce more joy and peace and all the things that I actually do desire, then I will be open to correction. Yes. But if I, if I am satisfied with my level of Christianity and I feel like I'm Christian enough and I'm like, yeah, it's, I'm good. Then I won't be open to correction. But then if that is my stance, then I don't know that we really know Christ then at that point. Right. No, yeah. Then my at at that point, what I'm acknowledging is my my Christianity is a is a hobby, and so I I have just as just enough of that, uh, right? To like be a healthy, to be content. You don't want too much. You don't want to be too extreme. You don't want to be too radical. You don't want it to disrupt the rhythm of uh, what's really important to you. So I end up uh, just kind of settling into that that good enough stage. Which seriously, like how how we can get to that place with an understanding of who it is that we're worshiping and what this is all about. Um, it, it is, it is shocking to me how quickly I can get to that place. Like it's the most irrational thing to say yeah. like, Oh yeah, totally saved and adopted by the sovereign triune God of the universe. Who is this m- incredible mystery of perfect and eternal love and community and is inviting me to right. participate in that. And then mm-hmm. has told me exactly what it looks like to participate in perfect love and community and unity with the one who knit me together and uh yeah i've got i've got about 20 minutes for that this week yeah that'll be great like it doesn't make any sense no but but it just gets it gets so distracted with all the other things and and like you said like if if it means having to give up the stuff that i really want to do then yeah i don't i don't need to be i don't want to be corrected in that thing i want it i want to be affirmed in good enough is good enough right yeah, and if you aren't aware that you need to be corrected, then it's also just it's it's embarrassing, or it can be it's blindside blindsides Certainly. you. Like you think I know I thought I was doing great, and I think we've seen that a lot in the church from different angles, and it always the root of it is seems to always be a separation of Jesus from whatever the the thing is that that we think is valuable. So for example, we've we've covered that a lot with speaking truth. So you talked about that like just knowing about the Bible, knowing about God, knowing all the facts like understanding or at least knowing the scriptures and that's not a substitute for knowing Jesus. Um right. and so we think like we we have that built up and so you see that a lot in our culture where people talk about truth like well I believe in truth. I speak truth. Um but they're sep- that's separate from Jesus. Like they actually it's it, they've separated truth and and made it kind of this inanimate like quality that they now define and they um compare themselves to 
and not asking the question of, am I actually abiding in Christ? Do I actually know Christ in this? And so um, the irony, of course, is that then you end up not in truth. Like you're just about, you're in facts, like maybe facts about what the Bible says, but that's not actually holistically truth because you don't know Jesus in it. You're not abiding Jesus. Because Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth. So whatever facts I have apart from Jesus ultimately ends up not being truth. Right. And you end up boasting in that, you know, or I think about from a different angle, people do that with justice. And so they boast in the fact that they are just and that they are um, or merciful or compassionate or, or whatever the case is. And so but they end up doing it in a way that the world defines as just or merciful. And so um, but they're not it's separating from Jesus. It's not knowing Jesus. And so we boast then in whether we boast in our um our ability to know and understand and speak truth, or we boast in our um, our wisdom in an understanding justice and mercy and compassion. But either way, we're boasting in those qualities rather than boasting right. in Christ. Yes. And what happens is with the sons of Sceva, they 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 boast in their knowledge of like, hey, we've seen this happen, so we know we know how to roll th- how how to roll with this, yeah. and it ends very poorly for them because <laughs> they're not known. Right. And I just think like, man, the people that boast about their ability to speak truth or about their ability to have justice, but if they don't know Christ, they're going to be in the same boat. You're right. going to get swallowed up by those things and destroyed by those things, which is, is weird to think about. That You could actually be destroyed by your pursuit of justice. But if you're pursuing right. justice apart from Jesus, then yes, that pursuit of justice will ultimately be your destruction. Because that just becomes another item on that list of, but we did this, right. but we did this, but we, but we believed this, but we pursued this. And none of those things are, I was known by and knew Jesus. Right. And I hope, I hope when people hear this, they understand, like we're, we're saying, we believe that all those things are important. We believe yes. that speaking truth is incredibly important. Yes. And. Uh, we believe that justice is is important, and we believe that that mercy and compassion are incredibly important. But they are important through Christ. They're they're important because as we're abiding in Christ, we will speak truth. We will be yes. merciful. We will be compassionate. We will um, pursue justice. But it's but we have to always be reminded that it's in Christ, which means we should always have both a boasting in Christ, but also a marked with great humility of not fully not relying on our own understanding to know That's what good. justice is in any given moment or to know what truth is in any given moment. We should always have like a, a, a sense of humility about like, okay, well, I think, I think this is what would be just in this situation, but, yes. but I'm, I'm abiding in Christ. Like I'm basically trying to picture if I walk into a situation rather than like bursting in through the door in front of Jesus and being like, well, I know exactly, I know that what justice looks like in this situation that I'm actually kind of like clinging to Jesus. Like as he walks in and I'm kind of following him and maybe saying something and then looking at him and, and, and reassessing the situation and, um, and, and trusting him for what justice actually looks like in any given moment. Um, so yeah, I think that I, I just, this, this is so, um, this is so critical, I think, in the church right now, just reminding one another that we are to abide in Christ and be known by him and to, to know him. And I thought that you did a really great job of, of dealing with that. That's kind of you to say. Well, I'm, I'm a kind guy. You are.
Okay, so if that is such a big deal, it feels very, though, vague. So we have a lot of people who say, like, I don't want people to hear, okay, so it just knowledge about the scriptures is not a substitute for knowing Jesus. And so therefore, I shouldn't study the scriptures. You know, or therefore, I shouldn't mm-hmm. do, I shouldn't have spiritual disciplines because those are just things that I do and I'm, and I'm trying to earn my acceptance to God. And then that's not the case. Like all of this is the heart that you're pursuing any of these things with. So what advice or would you give to someone who says, okay, I want, I want to know Jesus, but I just don't know. I don't know what that looks like. Like how, how do I abide in him when I'm thinking about these other situations and when I'm pursuing justice or truth or, or any of these things or studying the Bible, like how do I make sure that what I'm doing is actually pursuing Jesus in that and not just knowledge about God. Hmm. So you, you addressed it in the question. I mean, it is, it is certainly a matter of the heart. So you can, two people can be doing the exact same activity with completely different ends. I mean, as, as we see in Acts chapter 19, so we have Paul who is exercising demons and we have the sons of Sceva who are trying to exercise you. Like they're doing the same thing, right? But with, very different hearts and from very different postures, from very different positions with God. So, yeah, I would certainly, the, the person who says, like, man, I've just been reading Scripture just to gain knowledge, just to win arguments, just to to check off that box every day, my response is not, oh, man, well, you should stop reading the Bible. My response is, man, you need to change your reason why you're in Scripture because that, you know, Jesus' warning in John chapter 5, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life, but as they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. We, it's not, we want to focus on that second half of that, right? So it's, you search the scriptures because you think in them they have life. He doesn't say, so stop studying the scriptures. He says, the scriptures bear witness about me. So is my reason for coming to scripture because I want to, uh, I want, to gain knowledge, I want to win arguments. I want to be more confident in my in my positions, either either within the church or culturally or whatever. Or do I understand that this these letters, this both Old and New Testament, all of these things are this extraordinary gift from the Triune God to say, I want you, I want you to know me, like I want you to know me. I want you to know my character. I want you to know more about me. And so when I open Scripture. Am I doing it from the posture of, Jesus, you said that this bears witness about you, and I want to know you. Can you please help me to know you more through the word that you've given me to help me to know you more? That when I pray, I I don't just throw requests at God and then move on. Like I, I also want to take time to listen to see if he's trying to respond to me. Is the Spirit actually answering me as I'm asking, or do I just say the request and let's move on because the goal is strictly to just ask for help and then and then move on with my day like if he is as relational as he says he is in the word if the spirit the same spirit that resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in me then he's certainly capable of responding to me and perhaps answering the very question that i just asked in that moment so am i actually taking time to say part of prayer, part of a conversation with anyone that I love is I want to know them more. So do, am I approaching prayer in that way? Like this is just another chance for me to have a conversation with somebody that I love and I want to know even more. Am I seeking justice because I 
I want to make sure that the bad guys get it? Or am I seeking seeking justice because it grieves my heart, because it grieves Jesus' heart to see his children receive injustice? And, and I want to display the, the goodness and love and mercy of Jesus, which is going to affect the way that I seek justice. Mm-hmm. So it, it, all of it is, what is my end goal in this? What am I actually pursuing? Because what Jesus tells us multiple times throughout the Gospels is whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Mm-hmm. If you, The Father gives good gifts. If you seek me, you will find me. If, you, if my motivation is actually, I want you out of this, Jesus, then he promises that he will give me that. But if all I want is to just check off that box of I did my five minutes of reading today, or if all I want is just to grow in knowledge of something, then that might be all I get. And unfortunately, that is that is not that is not fruitful. That does not lead to abundant joy. It does not lead to greater love and communion with with the Father or the Son or the Spirit. And and that's ultimately what what we should want. What we should be pursuing. I think right there is such a such a key point that um, that pursuing pursuing Jesus and saying. I want like in prayer saying, I want more of you. Like I, we are so good at pursuing, um, like you said, like pursuing knowledge to, you know, for an argument or to refute something or, you know, whatever the case is, but to just be constantly reminded of that, that if you pray, you know, God, I want more of you. I want to feel closer to Jesus. I want to know him more. That prayer will always be answered. The problem is we get distracted by so many other things. Like we'll pray because we want our circumstances to change or we have a decision to make or we have like we're confused about something or we're having a hard relational situation. Like we want something fixed. We want something and we get distracted and we start praying about those. I was talking to one of the Ethiopian pastors and he had become so fixated on what he was praying about. And he said, he said to me, he's like, but God is silent. He is not answering. And I think in the spirit, I was able to say to him, he hasn't been silent. Look at all the things that he has done and mm. said in the midst of this, mm. you're just so fixated on wanting an answer to this one question that you're missing actually the the point yeah. of this whole thing that yeah. he's drawing you closer to himself. He is um, showing you like what it looks like to be dependent on him, that he is trustworthy. And so that would be one piece of advice I would give to people is like, before you, um, like don't, if you're in your prayer and in your Bible reading and in your seeking justice and all of those things, if what you are pursuing is the King and his kingdom and knowing him and, and abiding him, then he will answer those prayers. Even if those so, and you'll often see you're answering this better prayer in the midst of not answering these other superficial things or these circumstantial things. Um, and, and so I, I would, I would just encourage, so if we approach the word and in prayer, um, in humility and expectantly and believing that he will, he will always answer the prayer of, I want, I want more of you that, that prayer he's always going to answer. And um, to just rest in that. And so when you read a passage in scripture that's confusing or upsetting or frustrating, knowing that the the prayer of like, God, tell me why did this happen? 
you know, in, in the Old Testament, why did this happen? That may not get answered, but the prayer of God, I want to, to know you through this. I want to be drawn to you yeah. more through this. That will get answered. Um, so just mindful. And then, you know, and that all has to do with practicing the presence that we talk about all the time and just being mindful that as I read the Bible, he is with me. As I go to work, he is with me in a very real way through the spirit, not in a, not in a symbolic way, but in an actual like tangible way. He, he is, he is with me. And if my desire is to just be with him in the midst of all those other circumstances, then, then we'll know him. So there you go. You just gave me the land the plane signal. <laughs> I had to do it one more time, man. You give me the signal, and then I just and now you're gonna write down the time and try to cut that out. But don't do it. Everyone's gonna know that you did that, and you're gonna miss me. So uh, everybody, so thankful that you're listening to this. Grateful for um, for you. If you need help in this, which we all do, as we're talking about needing correction, we want to walk alongside of you. Um, many of you that have been coming to our church are newer in our, to our church, and we want to make sure that you're connected with people that can walk alongside of you, and we can point one another to Jesus. So please reach out. You can email us at connect at faithpestigo.com or go to you know our, our Facebook page or just connect with us on a Sunday morning. Uh, we would love to, um, to just figure out how to help you and pray for you and support you as you pursue Jesus. So until next time, thanks for listening and grace and peace.